It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Huge weekend on the Plains. We're starting to get some answers about everything Auburn football. Auburn basketball took care of business. And our first Auburn baseball preview of the season. All right here on Locked on Auburn. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm. And I am, I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked on Auburn. Your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. I am the publisher at AuburnDaily.com, and I am joined, as we are every Monday, by Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked On MLB Prospects, and also a writer at AuburnDaily.com. This felt like, you know, with the, the, the past week, Lindsey, it was kind of rocky with, you know, just hearing a million different things about Brian Harson and the powers that be and the board and President Googe. That was all kind of hushed on Friday. We could finally move on. And I think this weekend was kind of symbolic of that. I think we got a lot of good news throughout multiple sports over the last 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, whether it was it was Auburn uh, just absolutely destroying Missouri in gymnastics, uh, another Auburn team absolutely destroying Texas A&M in basketball. Yes. Just a lot of positive stuff happening on the Plains this weekend. And uh, I got to be honest, after the week we had, we needed that. Yes. And you love to see it. Yes. Yeah, you absolutely do love to see it. I want to start with football, with Harson um, being retained as head coach. And if you listen to our emergency pod that we put up on Friday, it was kind of weird that the big headline was, okay, Auburn's coach, who is under contract for several more years, is still Auburn's head coach um, in, you know, in February, the fact that we're still having this conversation. So very odd set of circumstances, but we can finally move on. Auburn can focus on finding an offensive coordinator. But I said throughout all of this, the best case scenario, Lindsay, was Brian Harson be retained, and you focus on two different things, um, you know, for the remainder of his Auburn tenure. And one of those was kind of pitching himself to the fan base. And I got a few comments in response to some of that on Friday when we talked about this. Like, hey, I want to see him at the basketball game. And people were saying that was unfair because, you know, I'm trying to compare him to Bruce Pearl. And it's like, no, I think it's pretty normal for the football coach to go support um, the basketball team. And so he did that. The the It was a pretty cool picture of, there was a sign that was like reserved for Coach Harson in the middle of the student section. He showed up. A lot of his team was there as well. And to me, that was a really, really good look. It got the, the students fired up. It got the fan base fired up. You know, just from a messaging standpoint, and you and I have talked about the messaging before, you know, there's a lot of pictures of him, like, you know, smiling and cheering and taking pictures with fans. I think it was a really, really big win for Brian Harson on Saturday. Yeah, if you're the kind of person who subscribed to the the theories and beliefs that Brian Harson was not doing the extra stuff outside of coaching ball, 
that would make him successful at Auburn. You have to look at Saturday and say, okay, he came to the game, which, yep. like you said, Gus Malzahn came to the games. But Gus came on and he was sitting off to the side with you know some of the, the boosters and supporters and things. And Brian Harson comes, sits in the student section. He gets there right after the game starts. Not going to be mad about that. Traffic was nuts. And then is there just about the entire game. Uh, obviously has the the white shirt on for Bruce's charity that yep. we're doing here. Outlive, Fred. Uh, outlive. And I understand, like, it was a smart move on his part to pick the game that had the uh, had the charity shirt because then there's no pressure to take the shirt off and flex and pose <laughs> like Bruce did at the football game. He's not going to take off the charity shirt to do that, guys. Come on. But he's there the whole game. Yeah. Like you said, interacting with fans, just really being approachable being visible and, you know, cheer to the right times. I did want to see him take the cool glasses from Darren Hall and put those on. But I do love the fact that he was there. And it has to make you feel like, okay, if nothing else, he's like, this is a sign that he is beginning to do all of those extra things that we expect now of a coach at a high level program, like in the SEC. So positive, you have to take that away. And so, if you assume that that's going to continue, and I want to assume, like I want to assume Brian Parsons is going to be successful. I'm going to assume that point. moving forward. I'm going to assume that he's going to do a little bit of the things that he wasn't doing before. Exactly. Then then now it kind of looks at, okay, let's check that box off mentally. He's going to keep doing these kind of things. He's going to go to the golf tournaments and all that. So who's the offensive coordinator hire? You know, what are we looking for? Uh, who were the candidates and how quickly can you get that person in? Because you start practicing in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, thankfully. And we're going to have even more football content to talk about in just a few weeks. I mean, this offseason has been um, jam-packed. It's been absolutely crazy already. And it's not even it's not even time for spring practice yet. But, no, I, I think it was good. I think it was good. And for folks out there saying he was already doing this before, uh, that's not what we're being told. You know, the, that's not the optics from within um, the athletics department. And so... I think that's that, also mm-hmm. that's also not the optics from the the high school coaches and from the people who would be seeing him if he were doing these things. The optics are if he's doing it, it's not nearly enough and it's not nearly the right places. Yeah. So, so. I, I think this weekend was a symbolic opportunity for him to do that. And he I think he knocked it out of the park. Um, the other thing that I think was a huge one for the football program, Zach Gethridge announces on both of his social channels on Twitter and Instagram that he is staying, that he believes in Auburn, that he believes in what Brian Harshan is doing. And I think he's probably the most attractive candidate um, to outside schools to poach from Brian Harson's staff right now. And the fact that Harson was able to hold, uh, hold off Georgia, you know, the, the defending national champions to, to keep Zach Gethridge at Auburn for a little bit longer is uh is an incredible thing. I mean, this is a guy that was probably, you know, as far as what he actually produced in the recruiting class, I think you could argue he was the best guy, uh, you know, w- with his feet on the ground. I think he did an incredible job recruiting some defensive backs to Auburn. And then obviously, I think you look at the defensive back play, and if you take out the Mississippi State game, I think what they were able to do last season was actually pretty respectable. I mean, you look at Roger McCreary, he probably played himself into the first round. Smoke Monday is being really liked by NFL teams, uh, a little bit higher than I was expecting, but I think that's fantastic news. And then you look at it, and it's an extremely deep room going into 2022 with guys like Nehemiah Pritchett. And, uh, I mean, there's a ton. There's a ton of dudes, and, and both new and old. So I, I think 
This is a huge move for the Auburn football program, keeping Zach Etheridge around as long as possible. And look at it in the context of the Harson re- retention. Uh, if you were concerned that the, he didn't have the right approach to recruiting and that people inside the program were going to get fed up and we're going to, you know, we're going to leave. And if you're saying that's why Easton took the opportunity to go somewhere else, and if you're saying that's why Mason left and everything, yep. then the fact that Zach Etheridge, who it, it can be argued as one of our two best recruiters along with Cadillac, the fact that he, like you said, turned down the defending national champions to stay at Auburn tells me that in his private conversations with Brian Harson, he has probably heard something that has convinced him that if there was deficiencies in recruiting before, that those are going to be addressed and corrected. Yep. So again, trying to look at the positive in all of this, it feels like if I'm him and I think this ship is sinking, I go to Georgia. So the fact that he's staying tells me he must believe in what Brian Harson is going to do in yes. 2022, yes. both both out of season recruiting and in season. And I am very glad we kept him. 100%. I think that is a huge win. I think if we looked at this like we just acquired a coach of his talent, you know, I mean, it's all we're talking about. And it's essentially what happened. So props to uh, to Harson for keeping Zach Etheridge around. And thank you, Zach Etheridge, for continuing to, uh, to make Auburn um, a better place. We appreciate it. Hey, today's show brought to you by Bet Online. Football is over for the season. We're recording this before the Super Bowl, but... Uh, congrats either to Blake Countess or CJ Uzoma, whoever won last night. But Bet Online still has you covered with literally every sport. So Bet Online is the best spot for all your sports scores with basketball and baseball coming up, as well as news this season. Um, BetOnline.net is your source also for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, uh, right to Olympics coverage and information. So be sure to check all that out at BetOnline.net, where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, Lindsay, let's talk for a second about this Auburn basketball game. They absolutely dismantled Texas A&M. This was never a question. It was never close. And the first half to me was really, really impressive, even though offensively they were better in the second half. But what Auburn was able to do as far as limiting Texas A&M, I think was really, really encouraging. I think it was really, really exciting. I do think some of it had to do with Texas A&M just not being a good basketball team. But still... Um, the fact that Auburn held them to like their lowest scoring output and like, you know, for an SEC team and like several seasons was very encouraging. Um, and then also the fact that they shot 70 shots, 70 field goal attempts, and they made it to the free throw line like over 20 times and they still like scored what they did was pretty, was pretty incredible. So props to, uh, props to this Auburn defense. Yeah. The, uh, the first half for Auburn was, one of the more dominant first halves you've, you've seen. And a lot of that comes back to having Zepp Jasper back yes. and then Walker Kessler being, I'm pretty sure, the Secretary of Defense. Um, when you kind of look at it, I mean, Texas A&M went 7 of 39 from the field in the first half. And at Gosh. one point in time, there was a moment where 
Walker Kessler had more blocks than Texas A&M had field goals. <laughs> I mean, it was just absolutely absurd. Walker Kessler obviously gets the triple-double with blocks as the third category. Doesn't happen a ton. Uh, he now has two triple-doubles on the season, and I believe both of them had double-digit blocks. And it's you can really see that Zep Jasper does not blow up the stat sheet, but Zep Jasper is an integral part of this team. And you can see it the way Auburn came out uh, just so aggressive early in the game and just really held Texas A&M. Didn't let them essentially do anything mm-hmm. in that first half. Just absolutely loved it. Only three teams have held them to 60 points or less this season. Wisconsin, Kentucky, and now us. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think that's great news. And so you look at this team moving forward and, you know, maybe they're going to start to get on. I mean, they still didn't shoot well. Um, I mean, this team still has so much room for improvement. And I think that should get folks excited. The fact that they've been able to accomplish everything that they've accomplished so far this season. And I think it's pretty clear that they haven't peaked yet. There's a lot of teams in the top 10, I think, that have peaked. And I, I still don't think Auburn basketball has played their best basketball yet. And so you look at what Bruce Pearl has done throughout his tenure at Auburn, even when it was early in his Auburn years and like Auburn wasn't super good, they still played their best basketball towards the end of the season. That is something that Bruce Pearl has done really, really well. Really the only exception is when Auburn won a share of the SEC regular season tournament and Anthony McLemore got hurt and they kind of backed themselves into, you know, that number one seed. And then, you know, I think they lost in the first uh, bit of action they played against Alabama. But other than that, they've really always peaked later in the year. And I still think that's going to happen because they're, they, they've got to get better from shooting behind the arc. They've got to. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's necessarily going to be one person that steps up, but I think you can just look at it and be like, okay, Katie Johnson could be a little bit better from three. Wendell can be a little bit better from three. Zepp can be a little bit better from three. Alan Flanagan could be a little bit better from three. Jabari definitely can. And so I think some of that is shot selection. I think some of that is just the, the, the law of averages, right? I mean, they can't go like, they shot like 20% from three on Saturday, I believe. Like that's going to come up. 12. Tw- oh, 12. Okay. Like 12. That's, yes. that, that's going to go up over time. And it, it just has to. This team is too talented and too good for it not to. Yeah, we are shooting 27% from three on the season, but we shot something like it was like three of 25 um, on Saturday. And we are dead last in the conference in three point percentage. And it feels really weird to talk about a Bruce Pearl team as being last in the conference in three point shooting. And when you talk to Bruce after the game, and there was a great article, I believe it was at Auburn daily about some of his comments after the game, but it's a great article talking about his, he, he mentioned the shooting percentages from three. And he said, and it's not like it's, like it's contested shots. A lot of them are open shots. We're just not knocking them down. Right. And we absolutely have to start shooting better. And I think it's something, like you said, it's going to be gradual. It's going to be a, an improved, like a, an extra shot or two going in here and there from four or five different guys. And you're going to turn it around. Part of it, like you said, law of averages, you have to assume it gets better. But part of it, I think, is it's going to be a focus uh, of – practice and of coaching because as you watch this Auburn team they're so dominant um down low where you teams sometimes will just sag in the paint and and try to put extra bodies in there and contest all of those shots make Walker Kessler fight through traffic and so you're going to have to start taking the open opportunities and if you want to keep Walker Kessler 
clean and not have him get multiple bodies on him, you have to hit these open shots out wide. And so I think this is something where you'll see Bruce Pearl adjust. You'll see him devote some practice time to it. And you ha- you have to think it's going to turn around before they get to the tournament because we know three-point shooting goes down in the tournament based on quality of opponents and then the effect of playing in those larger arenas. Totally. Right. Which, yeah, that, that may help Auburn just because they've shown that they can win without shooting at a high clip from three, which... Like you said, it sounds weird to talk about when you look at these Bruce Pearl teams that have been really good. They've been at their best when they're shooting well from behind the arc. And obviously, I think this team will become much better at that. But yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you think about Walker Kessler? Like, I mean, he's starting to get into the whole like player of the year conversation. How fun is that? I, I think he's clearly defensive player of the year as of right now. I mean, yeah. All right, so, and shout out to a friend of the pod, Justin Ferguson, for some great stats in his after game article. If you're not a, Member, $6 a month, $60 a year. Go subscribe. Worth it. But Walker Kessler's block percentage against Texas A&M, 41.3%, which means of the two-point attempts shot while he was on the floor, he blocked pretty much two out of every five. (laughs) (laughs) If they shot five shots, he blocked two of them. That is unreal. And on the season, he's over 20%. So one out of every five two-point shots Done while he is on the floor, he blocked. And he is more than 3% better than anybody else in college basketball. No one since 2006 has averaged 20% for an entire season. And he is over that. And he's gotten better in conference play. Um, So it's just something he... Defensive rebounding, I mean, he he's up there. He's 20% on defensive rebound. So one in every five, you know, missed shots, he's rebounding. And so I don't think we've seen a stretch of like non-offensive brilliance like this at Auburn, as long as I can remember at least, seeing a guy who was this dominant, both blocking shots and on the glass. And then by the way, his shooting percentage from two is like 70% because he's incredibly efficient as well. Right. Uh, He doesn't put up tons of points. He gets in double digits, but he doesn't, he's not scoring 30 a night. But he's definitely, and you heard them talk about this on Saturday a lot. You'll see his block number and know that at least twice that number of shots he impacted yeah. in some way. Somebody decided not to drive this way or not to even take the shot or they had to adjust because he was in the way. So if you look at it, college basketball as a whole, Walker Kessler has to be your defensive player of the year. Yeah, I don't know what else you want unless you just have a dude that's like getting 10 steals a game, which that's not happening. So, uh, yeah, the fact that Auburn is performed so well and he's the best player or the most important player on this team, that definitely helps you as well. So, I don't know if it gets him to Naismith, but I think it does get him dang close to a defensive player of the year, which is so fun, which is really, really fun to see. So Pretty cool. um, So, Auburn takes on Vandy on Wednesday. That is a super winnable game. And then they go on the road to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators. And look, Florida had some moments against Kentucky this past Saturday where you know they kept kind of trying to claw back in it. Then eventually they broke and Kentucky took over. But um, it was in Lexington. So, you know, obviously if it's in Gainesville and that's a place where Auburn seemingly has had a hard time winning, um, this is not a gimme game. Um, I still think they win it. I actually don't think they lose again in the regular season. But um, if they were to lose one, it's either this one or Tennessee. Yeah, I could see 
arguments for for both. I do think Florida's more likely to knock them off than Tennessee is, but I could see at worst two more losses. I mean, both of those are winnable games by the opponents if they do like we've seen so much. And, you know, this is their Super Bowl. They yeah. play their hearts out. They have a great plan. The crowd is fired up and in it. Uh, you know, and we saw that last Saturday uh, when we were at Arkansas. We saw, I mean, everybody was was camping overnight for that game like it was like Kentucky was in town. Well, Kentucky you know? says they were camping out to see Kentucky, even though yeah, Kentucky I mean, wasn't if people game. camp out, it's, it's, it's to see Kentucky. I'm just amazed that the Kentucky Florida game actually counted because one of Florida's players got hurt, and I thought the Kentucky rule was if you lose a player, no, the game it only works. Count, it so. only works for Kentucky players. So they should have they have to address that at the coaches' meeting in the offseason. Yeah. but. Uh, no, I I see it being close, but I think Florida um, is ultimately going to lose to Auburn. I think Auburn just down low. I feel like Florida struggles a bit in the paint, and I think that's where Walker Kessler is going to show his size. Obviously, dealing with Hardwell, Jabari Smith is a large human being, even if True. he's not, he doesn't necessarily play like a big man. So, and then that that mid range jumper that Jabari has that. Uh, it's it's an, it looks like it's an ugly shot every time, but it goes in every time, and it cannot be guarded. I don't see anybody on Florida's roster who can stop him, so I expect Auburn to win that game, but it's going to be closer than we want. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Florida's going to make it tough, but we'll see. All right, let's preview baseball in just a minute. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. Have you tried Built Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered 100% in real chocolate. Go to Built.com. You can check out all of their awesome products to help your fitness, whether you're losing weight, maintaining, whatever you want to do. They have things for your goals at Built.com. And be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That is at Built.com. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Lindsey Crosby, let's talk a little uh, Auburn baseball. So you went out and watched them scrimmage a little bit over the weekend, and then uh, obviously they go into action. Um, what's the name of the tournament? It is the State Farm College Baseball Showdown out in Arlington, Texas. So uh, we'll talk about that as well. But let, let's start with what you saw when you went to, uh, to Plainsman Park to kind of do a little scouting on our team. Yeah, so... so- one, the pitching had a really good day on Saturday. And it's it's customary for for pitchers to look better than hitters at this time of the year simply because it's harder to get your timing right with the machine in the offseason for a hitter. Pitchers, you're throwing the ball the same. So the pitchers looked really good. I especially was impressed with Hayden Mullins. So Hayden Mullins is a guy, and if, and if you read last Friday's piece about Auburn baseball on – Auburn Daily, we we talked about him a bit, but he's a guy that I can tell over the summer, the the summer and the fall, he's really worked on some of his pitches. So his his motion's a little little jerkier 
uh, you know, a little more abrupt, but he's gotten a little bit more velocity in there. And his his curveball is a little deeper, drops a little more. Uh, only threw a few sliders. The slider looked good. I didn't see enough of them to really kind of uh, know for sure. But the way that he threw, they actually had him come in out of the bullpen as a piggyback situation. But the way that he threw, I wouldn't be surprised if he was one of the three guys uh, that starts in Arlington this upcoming weekend. And then the infield for Auburn is, is pretty much set. They had Blake Rambush at third, Brody Moore at short. Uh, Garrett Farquhar at second, and Sonny Dacharya, the transfer from Sanford, at first. And I was a little bit surprised when we talked to short king Ryan Bliss last year. And yes. every time I've talked to him since then, he was, he's, he's been very impressed with Garrett Farquhar's uh, defense. So he's a guy I kind of naturally slotted in. Okay, he's probably going to be the shortstop, but Brody Moore has taken that job and run with it. Uh, Garrett Farquhar, they turned a couple double plays on, on Saturday, looked phenomenal. I, I was very impressed with that. And then Auburn's put a big emphasis so far in spring practice on the running game. I saw them multiple times uh, this weekend practice a hit and run, practice a double steal, things like that. So I expect it's something where Auburn is looking for – they're confident. From talking to folks in the program, they're confident in the bats. They're confident in the offense. But I look for them, especially earlier in the season, to try to find some ways to generate more runs through small ball. I saw somebody practice a bunt situation – like I said, a lot of the running stuff. So I expect that this offense is probably not going to look like midseason form when we start off because you never see it like that. But yeah. I feel good about where the pitching is. I'm really excited to see who they actually have as the starter on Friday, on Saturday, and on Sunday. And I can't think of better matchups to test out where this team is than Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Kansas State. All right, so give us a, give us a guess – Oh, what do you think the Friday, Saturday, Sunday starters? Who will they be? Ooh, oh, that is a good question. Um, and we've seen this with, you know, I mean, a lot of teams do this, but Butch, Butch definitely does. I mean, it takes him a while to kind of get everything settled in. I mean, he is not afraid to use the non-conference schedule to just play around with pitching rotations and things like that. So, I mean, it's going to change a million times. But um, yeah. if you had to guess, what do you think it'll be? All right, so, so if I had to guess, I think you're going to see Mason Barnett Okay. One day you're going to see Hayden Mullins, I think is going to by the sec play is going to be one of the starters. Okay. Um, Trace bright, I think is going to be probably your Sunday guy to start the season off. I don't know if he's going to stick in that role or not. Uh, Joseph Gonzalez is a guy that I want to start. I think he has you the most him. promise of anybody. Else. I love Joseph Gonzalez. I just, he just, he's prone to big innings sometimes, which Trace Bright is too. I watched him get into a, a two on no out jam over the weekend, but um, C Carson Skipper's a guy that I think would be a good starter. I don't know if they're going to use him there or not. What I'm really excited for, and we haven't seen a ton of him yet this spring because he's still recovering from a partial Tommy John, but transfer from Notre Dame, Tommy Sheehan. He lost most of 2021. I think he got hurt in his second start last year for Notre Dame. So didn't pitch at all the rest of the year. From what I've heard, from what I've seen, he's looked really good this spring. I don't think he's ready to start the season with a standard workload, but I think by SEC play, he's probably going to be your Saturday guy, if not your Friday guy. He's got uh, more than 30 starts at a high level in the ACC, pitched really well. I'm really impressed with, with what he can do. Um, his curveball looks good. His fastball has actually added velocity. So I think by... By the midpoint of the season, he's probably going to be your Friday or Saturday guy. Cool. All right, so let's look ahead 
at this weekend, uh, the State Farm College Baseball Showdown. Auburn will take on Oklahoma on Friday. On Saturday, they will take on a ranked Texas Tech team. And then on Sunday, they play Kansas State. So let's just spend about a, you know, just a few seconds on each of these matchups. Yeah, so so Oklahoma's a team. They went into 2021, similar situation as us. Lost some pitchers, had to kind of figure out the rotation. They got mixed results. They, they're bringing back two of those guys, but they also brought in some transfers trying to figure out who's going to be the guy. So uh, pitching, they have talent, but a lot of the guys that they have there aren't necessarily proven. There's an opportunity to score runs against Oklahoma, so we're going to need the bats to do this. Uh, and we're going to need the bats because their 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 offense is pretty good. They've got a good core, bringing back a lot of veterans. They've got um, bringing back all their corner infielders, bringing back a shortstop, bringing back a catcher, and a lot of guys that took this team to regionals last year. They've got some impact bats. Um, there's one guy, freshman Cade Horton. He's a guy that I'm not sure if he's going to play or not, but I'm going to be concerned if he's in there. He's a he's a DH that can just hit absolute tanks. And he also moonlights for them in the bullpen, which is just, you know, he's a big threat. If they don't have him, I like our chances, but it's we're going to have to score runs against Oklahoma. We're going to be able to, but they're going to be able to do it as well. So we absolutely have to keep up offensively. All right. And that's also called the Sunny Galladay Bowl. That absolutely is the Sunny Galladay Bowl. Or if I could just like sit, if you're going to this, you can just sit next to an Oklahoma fan and just like complain about Sunny. Isn't Sonny the worst? Yeah. Isn't Galladay the worst? He's he's coaching at a high school in Oklahoma now. Good for him. I hope um I hope he is better to those um those children than he was to never mind. All right, who who else? All right, so Texas Tech, ranked team, uh had a great year last year. And I think the big thing here is uh Jace Young. So they have the the reigning Big 12 player of the year. This kid is a second baseman hit 337 last year, um, OPS of over a thousand. So a lot of power, great offensively. You're definitely going to have to to work around him. They have a lot of guys that are veterans, but are slotting into new roles. So you know, guys who were say they were a backup or it was a utility guy. Well, now he's starting. So they they still have some questions about you know who is going to hit around Jace Young and returning first baseman Cole Stillwell. Still need to figure that out. So offensively, this is the game where Auburn pitching has a chance to go in, throw them some different looks, and really kind of kind of mess with them. Uh, yeah. We're probably going to catch them with Brandon Birdsell on the mound. He missed the second half of last season. And uh, he's, I think, by far their best pitcher. I just don't necessarily know if they're going to have him start the very first game of the year on Friday simply because he is coming back from injury. So I think having him on Saturday is is going to be a challenge for us. Uh, they did bring in a transfer from Colorado Mesa. Uh, the kid went 9-0 uh, at 219 ERA and had like double the number of uh, strikeouts to innings pitched. So wow. he's a strikeout threat. I Yeah, I think we're going to avoid him on Friday, thankfully. Uh, but they they have a good bullpen. It's going to be important for us to to get after the pitcher, get after him early. Uh, and then have the offense shut down those two big guys and work around everybody else. All right, and then uh, just quickly on on K uh, State. K State, yeah, uh, they did not make the tournament last year. A little frustrated. Also went lost a lot of guys out of that rotation. They were a, a senior senior laden team, so they do have a, a veteran 
Connor McCullough to lead the rotation, fourth year, uh, fourth year sophomore. Not quite sure how that works. I'm still trying to figure that out. Mm. Uh, but yeah, brought in transfers as well, and then they have they have some freshman arms. So I think this is one your offense is going to have to to frustrate these pitchers. It's yeah. going to have to go in and, and you know I expect us to make big emphasis on on fouling on fouling balls off, getting late in the counts, working you know working working at bats deep to wear these pitchers down. Offensively, a lot of speed on this team, not a ton of pop. So being defensively sound is going to be big. You're going to see balls in the gap. You're going to see them taking extra bases, stealing bases. You're going to have to be defensively sound to win this game against Kansas State. Got it. Uh, reasonable expectations going into this weekend. Is the goal 2-1? and one? Is that a reasonable goal to have? The goal is 2-1, and one, and the hinge game is, is Oklahoma. I see us probably losing to Texas Tech. I see us probably beating Kansas State. The question is going to be, what do we do in that first game against Oklahoma? Cool. If they can win that game, I like them to come out of the weekend 2-1. and one. Okay, so if we're 2-1, we're happy. We're 2-1, and one, we're happy. Um, if you happen to beat Texas Tech and lose to the other two, I'd still be happy. Yeah. Texas Tech, I think, is going to be uh, – it's probably going to make it, if not to Omaha, pretty close next year. So 2-1 and one or 1-2 one and two if you beat Texas Tech. Lindsay, Lindsay, you've got a ton of stuff going on. How can people find you, read you, hear you, all that good stuff? So you can follow uh, me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. You can follow my show, Locked on MLB Prospects, on Twitter at Locked on Forum, or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts or YouTube. You can check out my rating about, about Auburn baseball at Auburn Daily, and you can check out the merch at AUShirts.com, like this lovely Not Today Saban. Yeah, Not Today Saban. Get that out of here. Absolutely. That's at AUShirts.com. And yeah, you can read all of my work as well at AuburnDaily.com. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.